This is the Movie Hall of Fame class of Abel Ferrara for Saturday, September 3rd, 2022. And there he is across the table from me. Or across the jitsi call for me, I should say. Yet again. They call him Mr. 45 <laughs> inches tall. It's Adam Hall. Ooh. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. Suck brick, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have I could have been shorter. It's not like you said like centimeters. I thought that's where you were going for a second, but 45 inches, you know. It's on a good day, right? <laughs> it's close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually shorter than that, so I'll take it. <laughs> Abel. Abel. Adam. Abel Ferrara! Yo. Oh, man. Dude. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Let's he's fucking got, go, dude. He's got the drops. Dude, there's so many buttons. We're never going to get through this podcast. <laughs> All right. That's the shit, Holmes. This is, uh, no, no. I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to be for the listeners. I'm going to have a good time today. Yeah, no, this is a, this is going to be one of those indulgent podcasts that happens every once in a while. Um, whatever we're doing able, it's okay to be a little indulgent, right? I mean, the man himself has sometimes been accused of indulgence. Oh yeah. yeah. I can name a few examples on this list. I'm not complaining. I prefer no, I don't- <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing. No, it's I prefer a, an indulgent table, I think. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think those clips you played though, sort of I mean, obviously they play into my fascination for the man. Um uh but but more more than just this is a guy I'd love to hang out with and chat with. It's it's more about like the image of a director <laughs> and yes. sort of like how he breaks all the rules <laughs> that, that like I've come to understand. And it's kind of more to more to the point of why I love him so much. Yeah, um, he is such a character. I mean, like, yeah. I, I really do love his films and I, I like all of the movies that we're going to talk about today. Um, I think the man is kind of a, a one of the greats. Like, I, I think like. I'd say he's a bona fide great filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of like a pantheon level filmmaker for me. That's how good his movies are. <laughs> he's up there now. Now that I've like marathoned a bunch of his movies, I would actually say he is in a certain pantheon with me. I I kind of I I I mostly loved everything that I saw by him. There's only one that I didn't love, but even that movie I really enjoyed. So yeah. it, it never falls below. I really like the movie. <laughs> that's that's really good. That's, yeah, that's really good. No, I mean it's a great batting average. Um, but you know, beyond that, the two of us are fascinated by the guy personally. I mean, he's just <laughs> such a character. You uh, uh, tipped me off to uh, some uh, YouTube videos of <laughs> Abel's commentary tracks. Yep. Uh, Abel's done at least two notable DVD commentaries One for his movie The Driller Killer Which we're going to talk about today And the other one King of New York Um, And uh, there are these montages on YouTube (laughs) Yep Just And that's what you just heard Of him watching his own movie And (laughs) (laughs) Laughing at his own jokes Yeah (laughs) Laughing at his own scenes All that Just becoming hysterical I mean (laughs) just it's some of the the great content that you'll find on YouTube. Like YouTube was invented for those two clips right there. Yep. 
I know. No, that's why. That's why I like DVD commentaries, though. I I don't see as many of them any anymore, and it's kind of upsetting because it was always like the most real a director ever got for yes. me, which I, it's part of why I, I love listening, particularly if it was like Paul Thomas Anderson, his DVD commentaries are really funny. Yeah. And also David Fincher, who really doesn't give a shit. It's just like, like, yeah. oh God, yeah, these guys are like real people. But then Ferrara takes it to a whole other level. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Ride <him>, cowboy. <laughs> it's just incredible. I mean... <laughs> Look at this bitch on wheels. <laughs> it's like most of most of the commentary is him laughing at his own jokes or lusting over beautiful women. Yes. I mean, know. that's what he's doing throughout the entire thing. Like, there's no filmmaking insight. There's not like, oh, I used this kind of lens and the shadow was hitting the street at this angle and this day. And, oh, we really couldn't get the funny to do that. Like, it's none of that in the ins and outs. Like, if you want to become a filmmaker and you're going to Abel Ferrara's commentary tracks for an education, I, I mean, you will be, um, I think... come to the wrong place. Yeah, you'd be disappointed. Uh, if you are going... For uh, the musings of a wild drug addict, um, yeah, that's where you ought to go. It's amazing to see, though. I mean, just, like God, and even when he he does comment on the filmmaking, he's almost you know he's almost saying it with like a I don't know, a, a, like a like a sneering tone. Like he's kind of making fun of it in a way. Like whoa, candlelight. <laughs> it's like doesn't really care. It's just like oh, he's got the eye makeup on. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> It's exactly right. No, he's watching the movie as though he's watching it for the first time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the incredible thing about it. And then there's like these offhand comments. Yeah, exactly. Whereas he's he's like he's like a critic. Like when he's there's the commentary for King of New York, and there's that shootout scene in Chinatown, and he's oh, just that's like the best. He's like this. Leaves a little to be desired here. But. <laughs> love it. That is so good. He's <laughs> like, like he might as. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for him to say like guys I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> Look at this here. That's the star of this film. <laughs> That's the star of this film. It's so good. But but this is I would say is a very good uh um uh, you know merging of the gap between you and I. It's a great it's a great um We're meeting um, in the middle, yeah. Meeting in the middle, yeah, where we kind of yeah, our our tastes align in a very funny way. Totally. Uh, I think it makes perfect sense, though. Like it is, it is the. If, I never would have thought it, but if you were to ask me, yeah, who is one of the perfect blendings of Adam and Nico's taste? It kind of is Abel Ferrara. It's hard to deny. Yeah, when you look yeah. at his movies, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone else. I yeah, I mean, he does thread the needle of, um, you know, seventies and eighties exploitation film, which is a genre that you love. Mm -hmm. and 90s crime film which is the genre that i love and yeah. he's sort of navigated both worlds and pornography i mean that's a genre that we can both agree on um, yeah <laughs> yeah that's true i didn't i didn't see that movie i saw i saw a I few other either. films i saw a few other films that are not on the list that we're going to talk about so uh do you want to talk about those now which which were they oh boy i mean is we're we're not doing addiction, or are we? We are not. We're not doing the the five Abel Ferrara movies uh, we're covering today. Uh, 1979's The Driller Killer, 1981's Miss Forty Five, 1990's King of New York, 1992's Bad Lieutenant, 
and 1998's New Rose Hotel. The, the films that I saw are The Addiction, um, Pasolini, oh. and, and Body Snatchers. Oh, tell me about them. All of them are rock fucking solid. That's yeah. That's, well, there's nothing. There's nothing else to it. I mean, the, I guess you could start with the most disposable one. It's probably Body Snatchers, uh-huh. um, which you know more more of a for me paranoia film. That you know a remake of a movie that's been done to death. Now you know everyone knows Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but his is just. I don't know. I think it was great. I thought it was a really taut, disturbing thriller that like put the ideas of like the horrors of conformity into sharp focus in a way that the other movies never quite did. And they yeah. made it a little more personal this time around. Uh, there's just so many great set pieces and so many wonderful performances. You know, every invasion of the body snatchers film has the classic moment where the people are discovered and every, the, the things point there, they are, go get them. And this version is just fucking, Oh my God, it's the most chilling shit ever. It's just really clever. Uh, just, uh, yeah. But it, it's also a movie where Ferrar's playing it completely straight and sort of like one of those examples you can point to where where someone says like, OK, great, but can he do the fundamentals right? Right. And yes, he can. Like I'd point to this movie. It's actually a, a wonderful example of that. It's one of the better, you know, horror remakes I've seen. Very listen, good. <laughs> uh, l- listen, I, I think there some of his art house movies prove that he can do the fundamentals right yes i I would agree that's the thing about him right um like i i never have any questions about his craft even in the face of again like rampant drug addiction (laughs) (laughs) which is the most amazing i don't know how he does it (laughs) it's incredible i mean he was on so much cocaine and um so much booze in the 90s and he (laughs) made some of the seminal films of that decade i mean it's really crazy yeah body snatchers is one of the studio movies that he made um after Bad Lieutenant and King of New York, um, it was also a dangerous game with Madonna. He did uh, the funeral with Christopher Walken again, which is kind of like a, another gangster movie. Um, so, like, yeah, he's not a stranger working within the studio system. Mm-hmm. Um, and King of New York, obviously, he's navigating a, a really big cast and a fairly big budget for him. So, yeah, he can he can definitely paint a still life, you know, if yep. we're using art metaphors here. That's true. Yeah, he's, he's he's really great. He can kind of do it all. Um, yeah, but that was evident with his other two films that I saw. They, they, I, I mean, those three are strangely fairly representative of his of his of his interests. Mm-hmm. I would say because um, you get the addiction as well, which is a great you know metaphor for you know obviously what it's about. There's not a lot of um, ambiguity there. He's actually funny enough. I I watched an interview with him and. He he didn't want the movie to be misconstrued. He, he I, an interviewer was like, I think there's a lot of ambiguity with that ending, and he actually got mad at the interviewer. I mean, yeah. like, what the fucking ambiguity is there, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> no, Abel is not the kind of guy that revels in that shit, though. No, yeah. Like, what if he didn't get the movie? What the fuck? Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to not get, bro. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, dude, listen, look at this. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. She was saved at the yeah, man. It was just that's fucking <laughs> filmmaking right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like Yeah, he's uh, not he's definitely not one of those guys where it's like, "Oh, it's up to you. It's your interpretation." Like he's very forthcoming when he's he's talking about his own work. And you that's know? I mean, I I, I still want to, you know, briefly go over the other two films that I saw, but one of the one of the fascinating things I find about Abel is that like I I was thinking about this in relation to a video I just watched where Denis Villeneuve gave a speech for Steven Spielberg 
and it was a really lovely speech. And you know, as 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 you would expect it to be for from coming from a guy like Denis for a guy like Stephen. But then I thought, oh God, what if you put Abel up there? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I just kind of realized there is just. It would be physically impossible for him to give the speech that Denis gave. Doesn't make him any less of a of a great filmmaker. It's just like, huh? Like your your notion of what this like high class brilliant artist is. They talk like that. They're this kind of academic. They're pretty when they speak. Oh, they can be poetic, and that's like, no, Abel can't do that. He's like no. the only way he can do it is in his films, and that is it. <laughs> and it's really yeah, fascinating. Like I, that would be the right, ugliest right. version of that speech I could possibly imagine. <laughs> right, yeah. There's nothing cinematic about him as a person, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, you've met a hundred guys like Abel Ferrara in your life. You yes, just exactly. know them. I mean, they're at the corner store. They're drinking beer behind the dumpster. I mean, like that's, you know, they're cheating on their wives in the motel down the street. I mean, you know, guys like Abel. I know. Uh, and yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like he just doesn't, I, I can't picture him like holding a viewfinder. <laughs> no, no, you no, 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 I that's mean? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But through the language of film, he's able to paint like these, these gorgeous portraits of a time and a place i mean yeah th that is the thing about filmmaking right it's it's uh it's kind of like the great equalizer you know yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it was it's really fast it was a really fascinating thing to think about so i was just like oh wow yeah. it's another one of those moments where it's like you know <laughs> if if i don't know i don't know what it takes but like you know any type of person can make a movie i guess <laughs> right yes exactly yeah, yeah exactly so it was a uh, good reassuring thing to see yeah yeah so um so what, how about Pasolini? That that was one that we almost did. I, I was curious to see um, sober Abel. Ah, because well. he got clean, I think, in the early 2000s, moved to Rome, and has just been making movies with foreign financiers for the last decade. Yeah. So I was I'm, curious. Uh, well, it, it, uh, it's, you could argue it's his masterpiece. Wow. It's 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 quite excellent. I, it's not my favorite film that he's done, but I, I totally understand when if someone were to come out of that film and be like, this is this is a, you know, a, a one where this is a film where Abel has sort of, you know, found his soul and he's been able to, you know, channel it into something quite sad but beautiful. It's by far his most mature film. It's it's by far his most like mannered and, and careful. Um, but it's like. It's it's not it's not formalist in the way that like Body Snatchers is. It's just it it gets kind of free flowing. Kind of feels like a Luca Guadagnino film in a lot of ways. It's just yeah, it's uh it's it's a weird one though, man. I mean, it's the most unconventional biopic I've ever seen by far. Not that it like does a lot of like, I don't know, it's not like the most extraordinary narrative per se. It just has an interesting way of detailing who Pierre Pasolini was. By like intersplicing what Abel thinks a new Pasolini film would look like. Yes, and we should say by the way, <laughs> uh, Pasolini, the director of Salo or the Five Hundred Days of Sodom. Oh yeah, yeah, that movie. Yeah. Uh, right. Just, we start. <laughs> I mean, the movie starts with clips from that movie of him like talking about it, and then they kind of let it go, and <laughs> then oh god, in order to give you. <sighs> There's a scene of a of uh, of male fellatio. I'm aware. Um, non simulated. I, I, was it? Because I was watching, and I'm like, is that? Are they actually 
I think they're actually doing it. My understanding is it's non-simulated. Okay, because it yeah. looked that way, and I was like, I because it's like kind slightly in shadow, but you see the, the silhouette pretty well. I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just kind of like scratching my beard, like with my eyes squinted the whole time. Like I think they're actually doing that, <laughs> like the Austin Powers scene. Is that what I think it is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. And then when I was convinced that they were, it became very. Uh, yeah, it's just not something I'm used to seeing in a movie. Abel's returning to his roots. Yes, in a, in a lot of ways. But it's like this beautiful blending of everything that he used to be and everything that he is now. It's like it's like a it's like a reckoning of a movie for Abel in a lot of ways. Yeah. So when you say that it's sober Abel, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of yeah. sense. Um, yep. Yeah. Re- really beautiful film, but you know, uh, very very odd and different, but still quite powerful. I thought. Um, the way he details uh, Piero Pasolini in, in, in some of the interview scenes and his relationship to his family and the way they talk about communism is really funny. Yeah. And, but also like kind of touching and not the way that most filmmakers would normally talk about communism. Talks about him as if he was just sitting there with his family. It's like if, a, if, if Abel was a communist, how would I talk about it with my, my aunt? And yeah. it'd be like this, you know? Um, right. And the, but then the, the 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 scenes where it's like he's showing off what he thinks a Pierre Pasolini film would be in scenes like the the fellatio scene and scenes like um, yeah, there's there's a moment where uh, Pasolini talks about like a new film that he wants to release and he you know he reads the script out to his friends and then we see the movie play. It's really a, a, a neat way of like paying tribute to this man, like to kind of give you a sense of the film that could have been before he was spoiler alert murdered. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. It's it's um, it's interesting that he kind of he played it straight in a biopic about a guy that is you know known as a provocateur. I mean, a guy that you know predates John Waters, predates Abel, uh, predates these guys that uh, clearly were trying to get a rise out of the audience. Um, well, he does that in this though, and he, he yeah. that's what that 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 scene is for to kind of give you a sense of who Pasolini was. Yeah. You know. Uh, apparently his late period stuff is is pretty good. Tommaso, I've heard really good things about. Uh, Siberia, uh, all of these are collaborations with Willem Dafoe. Yes, um, and he's got a movie coming out this year. Uh, I think it debuts in a month in <laughs> some festival or another. Uh, but it's a Padre Pio biopic mm-hmm. uh, starring Shia LaBeouf. Yep, I saw that. So That's the man exciting. is still working. You know, the man is <clears throat> as prolific now as he's ever been. I mean, he's sober. He's living in Italy. He's loving life. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, he he keeps uh, making movies just with sheer willpower. Because as far as I could tell, none of his films made any money. No. At all. Maybe one of them. <laughs> that that's like but some of the numbers are hard to find i find it hard to believe that body snatchers didn't make anything but it it, it i mean the when i when i researched it said that it only made like four hundred thousand. that seems really hard to believe for a studio film though i don't know yeah I, yeah I don't. I don't know i don't know if i want to see a bleak version if i was a, i do but i don't know if i if i was a mainstream film goer i would want to see 
the bleak Abel Ferrara version of Body Snatchers. Have you seen the original Body Snatchers? I haven't seen actually any of them. Oh my god, dude, they're fucking tough watches. They're all bleak. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a really terrifying story about you losing your soul in your sleep, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, you conform without even realizing you're conforming. It's really scary stuff. Yeah, they're all bleak. All yeah. Bleak. Uh, yeah, but the man is still working and he's still doing good work and uh, kind of amazing he's not dead. Yeah, I wonder, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, but he seems like he's he's still able, though. Like, like usually you can tell when someone's not doing well. And I see like modern interviews. I'm like, oh, no, he's he's, he's still he's doing fine. Yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah. I do worry if he owes uh, people a lot of money in the States and that's why he's sticking to <laughs> Europe. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. <laughs> You know, you, you'll play it a game, but don't worry, you'll lose it all. So you gotta go, gotta go elsewhere. He literally said that when talking about aspiring filmmakers. Right. He's like, what, "What's the, what advice would you give to filmmakers?" And he's just like, "Make them on your phone, and don't worry about being famous. You're just gonna blow all the money anyway." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I'm here is because I'm getting five thousand dollars. I got five thousand dollars cash. <laughs> Ah, I love it. All right. Uh, some honorable mentions here. Um, the addiction is great, too, by the way. Great oh, movie. OK. Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 we talked about it a little bit um, uh, over the phone. It's, again, a very mm, loose telling of a, of a vampire story that's used as a metaphor for addiction. It's disgusting. It is very uncomfortable. It plays with the, I guess you could say, the mythology in very realistic and believable ways. Um it's got a phenomenal third act that nearly left me in tears. Uh, it's 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 it feels like a guy going through um, uh, a detox. That's what the whole movie kind of right. feels like to me. And and, and this is one of the only times that they sort of or that he um, explicitly uses vampires as a metaphor. Yes. Because vampires are kind of a running theme throughout all of his work. And I do want to talk about that as we get to certain movies, but like that is the only vamp- social vampires. Yeah. Or, or I mean, literal. I mean, well, kind of literal vampires, I guess. Well, you're right. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but that is that that's the only explicit vampire horror yes. movie. Yeah. Yes. 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 Very kind of reminded me. Mm, not, not in the way it was directed or it's aesthetic per se, but in it's like, it's unconventional conventionality. It sort of made me think of Martin, which is George Romero's film, uh-huh. which is maybe my favorite vampire film. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as we mentioned, his debut feature, 1976's Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy, um, <laughs> is an X-rated uh, skeezy film, uh, a, a smut film. It's not a. Well, I don't know. What do you call it? <laughs> what did they call it back in those days? A titty well, a, picture? No, wait, a smut film. Uh, uh, that's that's the uh, one where they kill someone on screen, right? Uh, I think it's a snuff film. Oh, a snuff film. Snuff film. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You're right. So I think I think smut film. Yeah, is, is anything with uh, with uh, sexual acts. This that, is the type of film that Robert De Niro would have gone to see in Taxi Driver. <laughs> sure would have. Yes. Might have been, go. might have been the uh, the movie playing in that theater. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was his first movie. He did it to make a quick buck. He succeeded. Abel also uh, has a uh, has a bit part in the film in which he uh, you know performs sexual acts. So that's a fun time. I, I did not watch the movie, but it's out I did there. Not either. Yeah. 
if if you'd like to see it. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he was making that with uh, his buddy Nicholas St. John, who was a high school friend of his. They both went to NYU together. They grew up in the Bronx together. And uh, you'll see that name pop up a lot throughout. Yeah. The, the next three movies, at least on our list. Um, but basically everything from the porno to um, like the funeral. I think and that's in 1996 is a collaboration with Nicholas St. John. Uh, and, you know, he had just been making home movies since he was a teenager. And like so many other filmmakers of his generation is able to parlay that into a feature filmmaking career. Uh, he also made 1984's Fear City, another serial killer movie in the vein of Miss 45. Um, uh, he, he did a bunch of TV stuff in the 80s as well. Episodes of Miami Vice. Some of the great episodes of Miami Vice. I think one of them actually uh, had Giancarlo Esposito in it. Oh, really? So he meets a lot of his future collaborators. Uh, he did a pilot called Crime Story um, in 86, which was, I think, with Caruso. Uh, I'd have to check that. But I think David Caruso is in that, a future collaborator as well. Uh, 1987's China Girl which is basically a West Side Story remake without the music and set in Little Italy and sort of deals with the uh, the changing demographics of Little Italy and the emergence of Chinatown in the 70s. Interesting. Apparently very good. Tarantino loves that movie. All right. Uh, you have 1989's Cat Chaser, 1997's The Blackout with Matthew Modine, and then a bunch of stuff in the 2000s. Our Christmas with Ice Tea, uh, Mary in 2005, Go Go Tales in 2007, uh, 444 Last Day on New York, Pasolini, Tommaso, Siberia, Zeros and Ones. I think Ethan Hawke is in that one yes, from is. just last year. And uh, as we said, Padre Pio coming to a theater near you. A lot of movies, shockingly, for someone who, who doesn't exactly do well financially, but it's cool that. He keeps making them. I love it. Sure is. Okay. 1979's The Driller Killer. <laughs> Starring Abel Ferrara, Caroline Mars. Wait and- a second. Did you say Abel Ferrara? Nico, it's Jimmy Lane. <laughs> oh, I wish I had that clip. <laughs> no, I thought you would. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's so many buttons here. <laughs> God damn it, Adam. <laughs> uh, starring Abel Ferrara, yeah. Caroline Mars, or Carolyn Mars, and Baby Day. An artist slowly goes insane while struggling to keep his bills, work on his paintings, and care for his two female roommates, which leads him taking to the streets of New York after dark and randomly killing derelicts with a power drill. <laughs> <laughs> kinda does what it says on the cover, you know? <laughs> yeah, kinda. That's okay. I, I I do like these movies in that like you kinda know what it's about uh, even on its surface. Like I, I I didn't have to do a tremendous amount of thinking about the subtext of an Abel Ferrara film. It's it's you know, it it's right there for me and I'm cool with it. It's but it's done so artfully and with so much passion and vigor that I don't really care. Um this is no exception. <laughs> the Driller Killer, baby. I think it's kind of four, man. It's the best performance in the film. You should have made him the Driller Killer. 
<laughs> Dude, he's so fucking stoned off his ass in that commentary. <laughs> I mean, she, like, he's just slurring his words the whole time. <laughs> Let me oh. just watch this with you, boy. Oh, mommy. <laughs> he says mommy like 10 times I in know. the commentary. It's so good. Oh, uh, yeah, The Driller Killer. I, is this one of those movies that they came up with the title before the plot? Yeah, probably. Probably. I would imagine. It's a great title. Oh, <laughs> it's love- amazing. Um but like again, a great title. I'm not sure they really thought through the logic of how can you kill someone with a power drill. I mean, it's not like when you stab someone with a drill, like they they stay on the drill and rotate in circles like a piece of wood. You know what I mean? Like they should be able to slip out of the drill quite easily. I would think. I mean, you you could kill someone with a power drill, probably. I mean. <laughs> He, he he drills them a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, to the head, I guess. <laughs> to, to the head. I mean, if you did it in their back, I'm sure it would do some damage. It's not like body double where you have that fucking, like, like three foot long drill. Right. That, yeah, that's a little different. Uh, yes. That, but this is, uh, I don't know, something about it being this this small drill where it's not like, it's not like it's not like an inch long or anything you know it's you know it's 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 long enough i suppose um but there's something like <laughs> is that what you say every night that's right <laughs> fuck yeah that's that's it that's it right there Ooh, mommy. <laughs> i think that's the new thriller uh drop right there oh <laughs> oh no oh, that's what it took to dethrone thriller yeah i think so i think anytime i say something offensive it's Ooh, Mommy. <laughs> Imagine these two girls looking at you like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the great thing about that scene is he's he's he uh he's watching these two women rub each other down in a shower and he's like, Let me just watch you watch this with you guys for a second. Okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He stops the commentary. I, I know guys, I'm working just... here, but like <laughs> I need to just enjoy this with the audience. <laughs> it's like they didn't pay me five thousand dollars for this one. We're gonna watch this shit. <laughs> oh man. Um what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> uh yeah, no, this is a good movie. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean it is a 70s grindhouse movie um uh, the story goes that abel was in a rock band with a bunch of his buddies including nicholas st john uh and thought that that was going to be his career so he spent a lot of times at the a lot of time at the rock clubs of the 70s um in the village and uh got to know a lot of the punk bands of the era um I think met Keith Richards that way because I think he did a music video for Keith Richards. Okay, in the I late seventies, it feels like a guy who was completely entrenched in that scene and like m- m- to the degree where it felt like yeah he this was more his his scene than even the film scene. He talks about that a totally. lot. I for, I, yeah, I I I, for, I forgot. I mean, he still likes to play, and he's he's one of those guys that's always kind of had like. Uh, you know, he's always been a filmmaker, but there's been a little bit of a love, you know, for the music scene, a little bit of a, a passion for maybe in another life he could have gone in that direction, you know, one of those. Yeah, guys. well, I he's a guy that loves subcultures. He's a yes. guy that loves going underground. I mean, he's a he's a rebel. He's a dangerous figure. And music, I, I think before film became that medium, music was that medium. And they sort oh, of yeah. both 
rose to prominence. I mean, rock music in many ways predates the 70s auteur movement. It predates the film yep. brats. It, it film dates, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that was going on in New York with John Cassavetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's kind of hard to have one conversation without having the other, you know? I but mean, they like... Ne- you're, they're they're never discussed in the same vein though, which is kind of interesting. Whereas like with Abel, you can't avoid it because he's literally doing both. He's right. right there. Yeah, I mean, but all these guys are hanging out together. You know, yeah. um, you know, Lou Reed is hanging out with Andy Warhol, who's hanging yeah. out with Brian De Palma. You know, like mm-hmm. it's all it's all one ecosystem. And yeah, a- Abel, um, I think just sort of stumbled into filmmaking. He he was. Uh, doing music with his band and he wanted to make some home videos and those um, uh, those home videos eventually became some of the footage for the Driller Killer. Uh, there's a lot of concert footage in here um, yes. at uh, at a at a rock club and uh, it's sort of just sprinkled throughout as kind of a non sequitur. I mean, those scenes never really pay off. It never really comes back to the plot of the movie at all. But uh, I mean, it's a real cool time capsule, time and place movie. Yeah, I don't know. I like it as just like this, these details that inform the time and place and everything and sort of, to me anyway, heighten the character's anxieties. They, they, they do pay off in a, in a certain way in that like there's this one completely obnoxious musician that wants to use Abel for his artistic abilities to do a painting and stuff yes. like that, which again sort of fuels uh, this guy's rage in a lot of ways and sort of this idea of like these guys are doing what they want to do why am i not doing what i want to do and mm-hmm. hence the the killing with the drill and so on and so forth sure i i, I kind of like it as a pressure cooker movie in it in the most bananas way i mean it's not it's not a safety brothers film but it's you know it's it's abel's version of that kind of a kind of yeah. story well it, what it is it's it's grindhouse taxi driver is what it is yeah, yeah it is <laughs> yeah i, I mean this movie doesn't too. exist without taxi driver i mean it's no. just a, a sleazier dirtier cheaper more violent taxi driver which cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I mean, whatever fine. I'm, I'm fine with that i mean the character is is a lot different in my opinion but also very similar you're not, you're not wrong about that too yeah so yeah i mean it's kind of funny like abel's first three movies really all sort of deal with the rage that boils to the surface and ultimately results in mass killings yeah. i mean it's kind of interesting that that's what was on his mind in the late 70s and early 80s i mean well can you blame on that those i mean 70s was a great time culturally but there was a lot of you know, you know, uh, unrest in society. It had been going on for a couple of decades, right. particularly when in in the New York scene too. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, um, I, I I do wonder. I do wonder what he was thinking about. He he says that this movie was based on a friend of his, an artist friend that he knew mm. who had this personality, and I think he sort of imagined that one day he would go on a killing spree. Um, oh so. God. <laughs> That's nice. I don't think it, he ever did, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's good. yeah. It it is this. I, I mean, like a lot of Abel's movies, it's this incredibly fun mm-hmm. exploitation grindhouse film with a, an underlying sense of dread and evil. Yes. Um, and <laughs> that's the thing that's so fascinating about him. I mean, being bad is just is never more fun. Well, and that's <laughs> it in one movie in particular that 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 that's very much the case. Here yeah. it's a little more sad. Like mm-hmm. like I do feel for Abel's character in this a lot cuz he's I mean, it I mean it helps that Abel is playing the 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 the, the lead in this. Yes. So it's like how do I not now, love this by the guy? Way, he's not good. 
No, 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 no. He's I'm not, not a good actor. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree. Yeah? I loved him in this movie. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I'm being totally honest. I'm not sure I agree with that at all. Okay, I, I mean, I don't know. Is, when, he's a weirdo. When, I mean, I think he fits the role kind of seamlessly. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if, I don't know. I wonder if he cast an actual actor here, what it would look like. Oh, I mean, it's was... you know, it's the first movie. I mean, he's making this with a shoestring budget and all of his buddies, and the idea of casting an actor wasn't even an option then. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know though. <laughs> he does have an interesting physicality. I'll give you that. Yeah, like, I, when, I, when he's actually doing the drilling, and that's the other thing that Abel just nails in this movie. It's not an inherently interesting weapon. No, but he makes it look really cool. Oh my I, god! I, I mean, like. The the amount of blood, first of all, is mm-hmm. just visually striking, but also mm-hmm. like the erratic nature of the killings and how the, the bodies, yeah. yeah, the bodies sort of gyrate, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen to them when you put the drill in. Um, he does have that sort of physicality to him. He's he's really lanky. He's really twitchy. You can tell he's on a lot of drugs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a good physical performance. How about that? Oh, I I, th- I think that's pretty undeniable. The way he eats pizza. One of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that of all the scenes in the movie, that one is somehow perhaps the most evil. <laughs> Stole all those pizza slices. Yeah. Fucking asshole. <laughs> I wanted peppers. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I th- I thought like uh, I, w- with the environment that he creates, or rather, you know, where where he places a character, I just totally bought that a guy like this would exist in this in this umbrella, you know, in this yeah. in this particular scene. So even the way he delivered lines wasn't distracting to me, honestly. Okay. I, I thought he works for. I thought at least for this movie, I don't know how he would have worked in some other setting, but to to me, like he 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 fit this frame quite well. So and and that I, I don't know for me, like the the sign of a bad performance is am I taken out of the movie with it? And frankly, no, I never was. So, yeah, the fatal flaw in Miss Forty Five though is his performance. I know it's a brief scene. I know it's like two seconds, but we're, wow, we're not on the same page with Abel Ferrara's acting. Yeah, <laughs> really? Oh, I yeah. I, I mean, you could argue, you could question that scene. Uh, I mean, even though it's kind of necessary to the plot for for, for better or worse. Uh, I don't have any issue with him in that role. <laughs> I think if you again, it's like if you're gonna cast that type of dude yeah put abel in it <laughs> yeah if you're gonna cast a a, a lunatic rapist i guess <laughs> abel ferrara is your man what am i missing <laughs> i gotta see the safety brothers movie daddy long legs i i really gotta see that because he, he has a bit part in it mm-hmm. and uh, they obviously worship at the altar of abel ferrara he's in it one of their you know big idols so after seeing Good Time, you know, and comparing this to that that movie even more so than Uncut Gems. But even yeah. Uncut Gems, too. Yeah, totally, honestly. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Abel in, in their work, for sure. Totally. Uh, were you surprised at the prominence of the uh, the religious iconography? Uh, I Maybe I'm used to seeing so many Scorsese films of this era. Uh, not really, honestly. I mean, I know that um, Abel is still quite religious to my understanding. Sure is. Uh, um, which is cool. Um, I was, I guess maybe I was surprised to see it in a, like so prominently in an exploitation film. I thought it might've been there in part, but it's mm. very important to the, 
the 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 dressing of the movie, the aesthetic, the mood sometimes, and also sometimes the motivation of the character. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot I mean, of it's really there throughout the entire filmography. I mean, yes. it's, it was there since the first movie, and it hasn't stopped. Um, and I was shocked that this movie literally opens in a church. Uh, <laughs> the driller killer opens at a fucking church. Yeah, I, I mean, he he is sort of reckoning with this idea of Catholic guilt and redemption and yep. salvation, and he's a guy that's been carrying a lot of demons throughout his life, and like many of his characters, puts himself through hell, um, you know, in order to seek salvation at the end. And uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of amazing. This character doesn't really get justice at the end. No, um, chilling ending though. It's what a really end? it's a really good ending. Uh but he's he's constantly reckoning with with this idea even in his silly little driller movie. And I I know like he's going to be modest and in his commentary he doesn't talk about these things with such depth, but I I really do think there's a lot going on in his soul <laughs> when he's making a movie like this. Well, especially at this time, yeah, like you said, he's, yeah. he's still he's not even bothering to reckon with it. He's just letting it happen. That's the thing. It's very much a you know, I, I'm I'm stuck here. This is who I am, which is why, like, there isn't much resolution to what happens to the character at the ending of this movie. Whereas right. when you contrast this movie to something like The Addiction, it's very clear that by the end of that movie, he's gotten to the bottom of something and he's moved on to better things. He's going to be okay, which is why I think, like, that interviewer kind of pissed him off because he's like, no, I'm good. Like, I, I'm proud of this ending because I'm better. Right. You know? Right. It's kind of interesting. Oh, you know? that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Uh, Drill a killer. The, the stuff with the rabbit really disturbed me. I wanted to say that too. Ah, uh, stabbing the uh, skinned rabbit. Yeah, works. I was, I was like, <laughs> did enjoy that. Hell Didn't. of a, <laughs> hell of a scene. I mean, I, I. Whenever we talk about moments like that in movies, and it, it's like I can never say like I enjoyed it. But um, yet I'm still happy it's there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got the job done, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Drill uh, Killer. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I forget how funny this movie was. <laughs> He's so <laughs> trashed. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites on this list, too, by the way. Not... not N- not my favorite now after I've I watched a few more of his films, but uh, yeah, this one rules. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's a buyer <laughs> for me. I love it. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. All right. What's next? Moving on. 1981's Miss 45. Uh, written again by Nicholas St. John. Starring Zoe Lund. A timid and mute seamstress goes insane after being attacked and raped twice in one day, in which she takes to the streets of New York City after dark and randomly shoots men with a forty-five caliber pistol. <laughs> that's the movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it right there. Um, I think just straight up my favorite rape-revenge fantasy of all time. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's a... Sounds so weird we, even saying that, yeah. but like, you know. What I, are the options? Like, I spit on your grave. Uh, yeah. Uh, promising Young Women, The Nightingale. Um, yeah. Uh, the Virgin Spring. Oh, I see. 
This is, I, not, I, this is not better than the Virgin Spring. This is it right here, baby. <laughs> I mean, you could like it more. Like this, <laughs> that number that, that, one. Wow, numero uno. I love this movie. I fucking adore this movie. I think I loved it too. <laughs> this is an amazing movie. I mean, this is incredible. I, I I was absolutely stunned with how much I liked this. I am. I'm not shocked at all that this. It's like it's clear as day. Like it, I, I don't know why we're even asking the rape revenge genre question, but this would be my pick for you almost instantly. Yeah. <laughs> is it just because it's a filthy, horrible New York movie? Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. it's, the aesthetic is it's like it like it's, it's nasty, but it's also fucking sexy beyond belief. Well, I mean, it starts and ends with Zoe Lund, doesn't it? It's true. I mean, she is unbelievable in this movie. Mm. I mean, it is a performance. It's a silent performance. Yes. She utters one word in the entire movie and it's in whispered tones at the end. Uh, and she does this transformation she does a walter white-esque transformation in under 90 minutes that's it's something beautiful. we should mention about abel by the way all of his movies so short yeah that's right I mean, yeah. incredibly that, short i mean put him in the in in the fucking library of congress for that alone man i mean just put <laughs> him put him in the national archives for that i mean all of his movies incredibly short incredibly economical and i mean zoe lund here with her face alone Mm. It goes through this incredibly real transformation. I mean, I it's it's an authentic transformation in ninety minutes. Uh, it's it's fucking it's it's great. It's yes. a great movie. Yeah, good because it's entirely that performance. I mean, most of the shots in this movie feel like Zoe Lund's face. Because yeah. I mean, I'll, the 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 flaw you could have with a movie like this is if is you get away from the characters and you focus on these people over here who are pivotal to like the the machinations of the plot but then maybe her transformation doesn't feel as authentic because you haven't devoted as much time to it whereas this is all like zoe lund's face it's all like just watching her slowly uh, devolve into this monster Mm. it's really alluring monster but a a monster nonetheless Mm. and you're right you completely buy it it's 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 i was i'm i wasn't totally ready to accept the film at first because I kind of saw where it was going mm. and I'm like, oh, they're going to do that? I don't know. And then, nope. The the more it, 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 it I think I was expecting the, the movie to lose focus because Abel can be a little meandering and he can, he, the way I'll, he, he has this weird, um, it, it, this happens in King of New York a few times in a good way, but he'll, the, the plot will be happening and then he'll look over here that two people like making out it's like guys i know we have to get over there but audience let's like look at that for a second isn't that fucking awesome isn't that sexy oh get it man it's just <laughs> that's fucking aces bro <laughs> he has like a little bit of a of a documentary tendency when he's like even shooting his narrative film so i was like yeah like if they, it's gonna be hard for him to pull this off but no, he has a tremendous amount of focus in keeping it all about this girl's very personal, very disturbing psychological story and just playing all the right notes. She doesn't immediately become a monster. She she reacts and she does what she has to do to survive and then she overreacts and that pushes her a little further and it becomes this this uh I I like re- she reassesses who she is and it gives time to that idea and then 
by the time she's putting on the lipstick, you're like, you're there for it. I'm just like, oh, wow, this movie got me. I didn't expect that. Yeah, the way they style her, yeah. Yeah. With the, with the makeup and the costuming, I mean, yeah, there are times where she becomes alluring, and it's like, yeah. this is not the same character I've been watching for 30 minutes. I mean, it's, no, it's, no. She's a completely different person in the second half. I agree. And she inhabits it totally credibly. Um, it, yeah, it, it's it's just, a, it's an extraordinary performance. Uh, Zoe Lund collaborated with Abel one more time on Bad Lieutenant. Uh, she is in, uh, I think, one scene of that movie and has one of the iconic lines from that scene. She also co-wrote the screenplay with Abel. Mm. Uh, it was a drug addict. Uh, died very young. Died, at, I believe, mm. the age of 37 uh, I, due to, you know, cocaine use and heroin yeah, use. Uh, but, like, yeah, she's uh, amazing. I mean, she could have been a star. I mean, that's how good she is in this. Um, yeah, she really is great. It, It's, you know, like, in another world, she's a, she's a Pam Greer kind of like underground cult figure, you know, yeah. who stars in these kinds of movies for 30 years. Tarantino would have put him in, would have put her in Kill Bill, you know? Oh like, my God. Oh my God. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the kind of, it's that's, almost a missed opportunity when you, when, now that you say it, Oh my God, I love Yuma in that movie, but like, Oh geez, Zoe Lund. Yeah. Oh boy. You know, that's the kind of actress that she was. And, uh, yeah, it's just really fucking sad. Um, yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's such a, it's such a taut movie. It's mm-hmm. it's a great New York movie because it plays around with this idea of what do you do with a dead body in New York City? <laughs> you know, like it's really easy to just like drive to the country and and bury it like in Goodfellas. But, you know, when you don't have a car, when you're broke, when you're in this, you know, one bedroom apartment and you have this dead body to get rid of. I mean, you have no choice but to cut it up and, you know, yep. scatter it throughout the town. Uh, it's just a great idea, and it leads to these <laughs> these amazing set pieces. I, I thought like the sawing of the body parts too was so effective. Yeah, I I've seen that in movies before, and I was like, it's never not effective. I think of like uh, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which has a similar scene, yes. and it's just like, oh, it just I don't know what it is. It's something about doing that in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. What is that? Is it the in, is it the intimacy of a bathtub, like the 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 personal aspect? Like this is a place that's supposed to be safe. I guess that's also why the psycho killing is so effective, amongst many reasons. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm I'm nude. I'm I'm exposed. I'm yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm at a vulnerable spot, and you're pulling back the curtain, and yeah, of course. Ugh. God. It's just it gives gives me the chills. Yeah. I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> Uh, some other things here that I wrote down, uh, Abel just fucking goes for the kill shot with Woody Allen here and recreates the Manhattan shot under the Brooklyn bridge. Yep. Except, uh, the predator shoots himself. I mean, it's an incredible, and it, it, it's gotta be intentional. Like I, 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 a lot of people have brought this up. I'm not the first person to observe this, obviously. Uh, and I don't know if Abel's ever talked about it explicitly, but I mean, it just seems like this is two years after Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's no way that he didn't have that in the back of his mind that he's going to recreate the the bench shot from Manhattan, except this time the person lusting after the innocent woman is going to get killed. Okay. I mean, you think he doesn't have high, <laughs> uh, positive thoughts about little Woody? I don't think they would get along well. No. God, 
put oh my god jeez what what a i mean it's like two warring elements you, you it, it causes an atomic explosion it's oh my god yeah i would love to see that there's a few there's always a few like a uh, few filmmakers i'd always want to mix just to see the chemistry regardless as to whether or not it would work and Jeez, that'd be that'd be a crazy one. It wouldn't work at all. You're right. <laughs> no, I mean they never. I mean they were living in probably within five miles of each other in the 70s, and they probably never crossed paths. Like there wasn't a single location that the two of them both went to. You know, Woody's <laughs> going to the library and the jazz clubs and the coffee shops, and Abel's going to the fucking punk rock garages. You know, like <laughs> they just they would have never overlapped. They just would have never crossed paths. It's just two sides. The, really, the yin and yang of New York City filmmaking, right there. Really, the the Nico and the Adam. That's what it is. Yeah, I think <laughs> bingo. I think I'd be doing. I'd be doing literally everything Abel was doing. Exactly. I've done a lot of the stuff that Abel would do. Right. <laughs> That's another reason why I love this guy. It's like God, we have like the same fucking tastes. I love right. you, Abel. I love you so much. Yeah. Also, I just thought it was funny. I'm 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 imagining the pitch for this movie. Because Abel's a huge Polanski fan, right? And and I'm just thinking like like okay guys, so it's it's repulsion, but what if we gave her a gun? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean it really is that simple. I mean like. It's so fucking on the nose. She gets raped twice in the. <laughs> it's like, like what the. Fuck? And it's not inherently funny, but it is actually kind of fucking hilarious that he he actually subjects this woman to two rapes. Like it's it's on the nose in the way that only Abel can be on the nose. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a like she's gotta... walking home from work, gets raped in an alleyway, and then gets home, and there's a rapist waiting in the living room, like. It, it it is a bit of a contrivance. It 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 is. At least she she you know sticks it to the guy the yes. second time. Right. I I did actually like that the movie didn't um uh, uh didn't give justice to the first rapist. It actually right. like 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 made it a little more grounded and a little more honest. It's like you would never see this guy ever again, and that's right. part of the horror of the situation. Right. So. Yeah, that that was actually quite brilliant to me. And but he I did, haunts her for the rest of the movie too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. those fla- those creepy, oh, fl- uh, really good flashes. The shot Again, in the mirror is is great. Mm, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. But yeah, no, uh, I I I love that that uh, that direction that it takes though. It it it. I mean, see, the thing is, like, this is not like a new thing with uh, rape revenge films. I mean, I spit on your grave has three. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, are they in a row though? Yes. Okay. Well, all right. It's been in your grave as a whole different beast. Check and mate, I suppose. <laughs> not, not, that's one of those, those things where it's like, wait, I won this award. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know this was a record. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Terrible. It's no. I mean, this is a really. It, it, it what it also does is uh it lets zoe lund be a psycho Mm -hmm. and that's what i kind of i love about it too i mean like you have all this imagery you have all this iconography that denotes innocence um you know the fact that she's a mute woman i mean at one point she literally dresses like a nun going back to the whole catholic guilt thing um but i mean she is not virginal 
You know what I mean? No. Like she's not that kind of woman. Uh, although she's coded that way. Abel sort of subverts those expectations. You know, the the silent nun trope is kind of flipped, uh, you know, on its head in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it results in this climax that is, I, I mean, it's just, it, it, no. it's Carrie, right? I mean, it's it is. Carrie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's gritty New York Carrie. Utter chaos. I yeah. mean, it's it, it it's entire like almost motivation is to be as subversive as possible to to like the sort of archetypes that you expect, like you like you just said. But like in a, in a way that's like it, it's, I don't know, it's almost acting as like a slap in the face to to certain audiences. It's like like these 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 types of women are allowed to be this way, and you've sort of pushed them to that to that to that place. It's really upsetting, though. Like the the, the what ultimately it's crazy because her character is a monster. She's like a horrible, evil, evil person. Yes, but you also kind of know that it's like her, like New York made her this way. Of course, yeah. And that's the point, you know. Yeah. That like she she has to be as horrible as you can possibly make her in order for like the ideas of the movie to really land. Yep. And that ending is just phenomenal. It's a great fucking rock solid ending. It just were and also like again just entertaining as hell this movie both like driller killer in this just like regardless of the fact that like they're kind of exploitation films and you know that might not be everyone's cup of tea like these movies are fun they're fun and they're also like really disturbing and horrible and questioning when they need to be so uh god yeah like it's a weird like you said it's a weird line to to or or the tightrope to walk and most filmmakers don't do it well at all uh and I, I it, you know, I keep thinking about him like, I don't know how he did it, but something about this chemistry and all the elements just kind of works. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. I think it's kind of a terrific movie. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Disturbing, mm-hmm. thrilling, funny at parts. The stuff with the dog just kills me. <laughs> but there's another when you were talking about like the New York stuff of it all, like right. Abel's like, OK, what would happen? Uh, I guess my neighbor would come and try to give me fucking flowers or whatever. Right, they right. try to tell me about the news. Uh, I'd, I'd try to get her the fuck out of there. You know, it's stuff like that. Her dog would be barking all the time. Oh, God, I got to throw that in the movie. Can it's, I take stuff like for that. a walk? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <That's> it's the <laughs> best. dude. But she's just she's just walking in oncoming traffic. Just hoping the dog will get run over. It is. I was like, this is the darkest dark humor. I mean, what the fuck is this? Holy shit. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. And then when she takes it to the pier and you think she's going to shoot it. I was yeah. like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Awesome movie. Zoe Lund. Wish you made more. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the movie that kind of makes Abel. You know, this is kind of the movie that. Uh, got him all the TV gigs and uh, graduated him out of the grindhouse and into yes. the more mainstream filmmaking. Yes, way so to go, important. Abel. Way to go. Yeah. yeah. All right, 1990. We now jump to with a film called King of New York. Nicholas St. John also writes. It stars. <sighs> Christopher Walken, David Caruso, Lawrence Fishburne, Wesley Snipes, Giancarlo Esposito, and Steve Buscemi. Look at Buscemi. There you go, Buscemi. Look at Buscemi. There you go, Buscemi. Yeah, look at Buscemi, baby. There's Buscemi. Very amused by the fact uh, that Steve Buscemi is in his movie. <laughs> just at the sight of Buscemi, sees him in the background, he's like, oh, there he is, basically. <laughs> it's the only shot he fits in. 
It's like, how did I get Steve Buscemi in this movie? <laughs> it's the fucking best. It's like, dude, you're working with fucking Christopher Walken. Uh, uh, a drug kingpin is released from prison and seeks to take control of the criminal underworld in order to give back to the community. Robin Hood in the streets of New York with this gangster played by Walken, the titular king of New York. Uh, yep. I mean, I don't know. What else do you want in a movie, Adam? Uh, nothing, because it's a perfect movie. It's fucking perfect. It is a perfect movie. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable fucking, just the best, one of my favorite crime movies now. Yeah. It's just this <laughs> joyous, wonderful, incredible experience that has nonstop, like, like, not adrenaline, just like coke anger. <laughs> it just doesn't let up, man. Uh, it just is a, the most efficient movie. I mean, the fact that it's ninety minutes is really insane. I, I it's just crazy to me that it, this thing is ninety minutes. I, I mean, it's incredible. I, I I don't want to. I don't want to see another version of this movie because the one that we have is incredible. But I would have been fine if it was two and a half hours long. Oh my god! Abs- abs- I mean, it's that abs- kind of movie. Like, how many times do you see a movie and you're like, "I wish that was longer." I don't remember the last time I thought that about a movie. <laughs> I'm a little different with that with with than you. However, uh, even still, I will admit that doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what what is there to say? I don't have any. I have no issues no with this notes. movie. I would, I would, no I would, cha- notes. I, I would not change any conceivable thing about this movie. Not every a thing. every I've said this before. Every scene is a winner. Yes. Down to just like Christopher Walken's first interaction at that poker table, the the shootout at the end under under the bridge, the funeral scene, a uh, uh, god the, where they go to the nightclub and the shootout happens there. The when. Fucking uh, full of bullet holes, puta. Just everything, everything about this movie is just juicy and delightful and entertaining. at the Irish bar, at the cop bar. Oh my God, it's just, even those scenes where it's like nothing, like like crazy's happening. Fish burn at the restaurant. Ordering at the restaurant. Give me some fucking chicken. I'm like, what the fuck? It's with the, Jesus Christ, what is going on? It's it is I mean it's truly amazing. It's too good. It is too it's, good. It's too tight. I mean it's it's yeah, so fucking tight this movie. I mean like it's like Tuco Salamanca snorting the cocaine just tight tight tight. Yeah, there there's not a wasted second. There's not a wasted frame. I mean Abel just set out to make a crime movie where everyone dies. Everyone's yeah. bad. Everyone dies. Everyone's going to get shot. There are no heroes here. I mean uh you know, and not to say that it's a soulless movie either. I mean, it does have ideas no. about the criminal justice system, and uh, you know, the characters are tested. I mean, they're it's it's oh, yeah. not just a shoot 'em up romp. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just Reservoir Dogs. Like, it it actually is. I mean, not that Reservoir Dogs isn't great, but it it there is actually a soul. There's something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet. It is so fucking fun, and you're just going to watch these characters get picked off one by one, and it yep. is a blast. Yes. It's an absolute blast. And there's there's not a scene where I'm like, oh, you know, it's a little slow, but I understand why it's in there. Okay. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm never forced to say that about the movie. Like, it's never <laughs> like, oh, all right, I get you have to include the love interest, but I really don't need this. And, oh, I, I get, like, you're trying to say something about... You know, criminal justice or about incarceration oh, see, or drug yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. And all right, I get it. Like it's in there and you're trying to say something important. Like there's none of that. 
it's yeah. like it is equally poignant and entertaining at every turn. Yeah. And no decision is made at the expense of another. That That's the thing about this movie. It's such a fucking beautiful mixture of cinema. Yep. Yeah, every seamless. In, yeah, every just... ingredient is poured in there at the absolute <laughs> right ratio. And like I could jump in this movie at five minutes, ten minutes, a half hour. Yeah. And it it just works. It works frontwards, backwards and sideways. And I, I've said this before about even movies that I love. I mean, I think uh, not so long ago we were talking about Arrival and I said, like, as much as I love that movie, you know, I, I frequently on rewatch feel the urge to shut it off after they first see the aliens because yes. nothing in that movie comes even remotely close. Yeah. It's like that's the movie. Whereas like th- this is no no, <laughs> it's like everything. I can't. I cannot sit still for for the, the the entirety of this movie. I'm 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 so in it, and it's like right when I think like that's the best scene in the movie. Nope, this is the best scene. Nope, this yeah. is the best scene. Right. Even the finale is really fucking great. It's really good, <laughs> and, and and like really like strangely like like ominous and 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 sad and tragic for a character that doesn't really deserve it, but. Like it kind of makes sense in this moment. Well, I, you know, deserves got nothing to do with it, right? Yeah, true. True. I, it's I mean, like, that that that's part of the whole point of this movie. Uh, the cops suck. They're yes. crooked cops. They're dirty they cops. But when David Caruso says to his boss, "You don't let me do my job," I mean, that's a compelling argument. I mean, you know, Frank White is allowed to sort of kill people and deal drugs on the street and be judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, with no consequences, really. Yeah. I mean, he goes to prison. He's a king. When he comes out, uh, he gets his scepter and his crown back. And, uh, yeah. you know, you sympathize with that. And you also sympathize with Walken, who's yes. incredible in this movie. Might be his best performance. I would probably agree. But you he's, know? Yeah, he's, he's incredibly compelling in this movie. Makes good arguments for why he is where he is. Totally. Especially in that like one of the final scenes where who's the actor, the head cop guy, the boss? Uh, he's really great in this too. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? He's a, yeah. He's a New York actor. He's a really god damn it. There it is. That's how you fucking die right there. <laughs> right under the vest. Hooray! <laughs> 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 That's the shit, Holmes. <laughs> oh man. Man, I don't know what to say. I just think this movie is is it's it's worth a million bucks. I just I God, I loved it. I really, really, really loved it. It's just yeah, like you said, I wouldn't change anything about it. Victor Argo. Victor, Victor Argo. Argo. Oh, yeah. He's extraordinary in the movie. He's really good. Yeah. No, but yeah, he's handcuffed to the chair, right? And uh he says, Who made you judge and jury? And uh you look at Walken's face there and he's actually contemplating the question. Yeah, I mean that that's the greatness of that scene, you know, like it it's not just in like the David Mamet way. It's not just like, um, you know, cops and criminals hurling expletives at each other like there there is like actual nuance and yeah. thought. And you know what I mean? Like it's it's a hard edged movie, but it, I mean, it really does have some interesting questions at the soul of it. I would agree. Can we talk fish? Can we talk fish for a second? Uh yeah, absolutely. Let's talk fish. I mean, has he ever been better? Probably not. <laughs> I can't think of one. Uh, uh it's yeah, it's one of those movies I, I think this is his 
This is sort of his coming out party. Uh, I mean, he had been in Apocalypse Now, uh, but in a very minor role when he was like 14. When was Boys in the Hood? Uh, a couple years later, I think. Oh, really? Two, oh, I, I want to say. Interesting. Yeah, I think. Let me look that up real quick. Uh, boys uh, is 91. So a year later. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so, wow. But this is the first one. You know, he gets this before... Uh, uh, searching for Bobby Fischer and yeah, Boys in the Hood and obviously before the Matrix. So th- this is kind of when it's like everyone's on high alert. Who's this fucking guy? He just comes in and dominates every scene of this movie. I mean, he's, this is kind of his movie. I mean, he's the Joker, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, you, you, could, you could honestly cast Lawrence Fishburne and and as in Tim Burton's Batman. Could you imagine him as the Joker? Oh, my God. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Holy well, Walken, Walken kind of plays Frank White again in Batman Returns. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to tell you something, Nico. He might play Frank White again in an upcoming Denis Villeneuve film. <laughs> Is that right? Why? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I was like, not totally sure about the casting decision behind uh, Shaddam the Fourth, who is the Emperor in Dune. Because uh, they got Christopher Walken to play that character, and I'm like, that's weird, but okay. And then I saw him in this, and I was like, oh, oh, oh man. fascinating, interesting. And I, <laughs> if Denis is not taking inspiration from this movie, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is yeah. I mean, he's so he's so good. I mean, like. This has got to be part of the reason why Walken got like true romance and Pulp Fiction and like Tarantino, I know, loves this movie. And like he does have this off kilter, loose cannon energy that makes for such a compelling mob boss. Yeah, I was going to I don't know what because I've it's a hard uh, ingredient to identify, but it's it's like. He can have fun and and be like like you know like a more traditional you know like uh, owns the room kind of character. Every you know everyone's eyes are on him, but it's those really silent moments in contrast to like the lively walk-in who's doing kind of weird quirky dance moves. And then you see he him. He does just do sit- a lot of dancing in this movie. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> but then you see him sit still and talk business, and you're terrified of him. Yeah, he's just he's got that face. He's got that look when he's just like relaxing his muscles and just. All, he's giving all of all of his attention to you, and you're not quite sure if he's going to shoot the guy. Mm. It is it is completely enthralling. I completely I, I totally buy that this scene could go either way, and sometimes right. it does. Either way, you know, or at any point he can pull out a piece. Yes, you know, at any point yeah. this could go south. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 an incredible performance. Uh, yeah, and, and Fishburne. Yeah, as you said, I mean just just mops the floor with everyone as such this agent of chaos caruso is great he gets one monologue i mean it's it's i i think definitively my favorite david caruso performance yeah i mean both him and fishburn end up doing csi like in the 2000s and it's like okay i mean listen i it's fun watching caruso deliver this dialogue as opposed to you know ll cool j or whoever is starring in the the CBS cop dramas of of today, but like they're so overqualified. I mean, like 
the the back half of their careers became so restrained. Fishburne has sort of become this elder statesman in a lot yeah. of in a lot of movies now. Like he he hasn't been able to let loose. Um, and it's just man, there's such there's such energy and vigor under the surface there. You know what I mean? And it's it's all right there for you. Yeah, he's like a pinball. I mean, that guy you you can't stop the guy. Yeah, you know, I it's and you yeah I I I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the Matrix. Because like I, I ever since the Matrix, I've he, he always to some degree kind of feels like Morpheus, right? Which yeah, is that's weird. True. Yeah, I mean like he's doing a lot of physical stuff in that movie, but like it's the 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 personality that mode that very straightforward, almost like you know the the stoic Fishburne. But it's like God. We, we don't need any more stoic fish burn. Right. <laughs> we maybe never needed it in the first place. Yeah, well, I mean, the stoicism of that performance is part of the point. Yeah, that's, you know, whereas, yeah, I, you're exactly right. I don't want that to be his preferred mode. Yes, 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 yes. It's, uh, it's, it's upsetting, but... Yeah. Because even in the John Wick films, he's kind of still doing that. Totally. I mean, I, strangely, like... What's the is it is Predators the weirdest he's gotten? Even that's very stoic and and you know kind of creepy. Well, it's but such a tiny role. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what's his best performance of the last ten or twelve years? I don't know. I mean, I guess by default it has. I mean, is it Contagion? I'm, maybe. Yeah. Again, playing it straight as straight as you can in that movie. Yeah. Great performance, but yeah, that's all it is. He he's uh, he's really good in the Hannibal show. Oh yeah, okay. He he plays Jack Crawford in that. Yeah, I mean, there's some. I mean, Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh God, goodness right. gracious! Ugh, poor yeah, Larry. Yeah, poor Larry. Man. I mean, like, yeah, he should have been fucking Sam Jackson. He yeah. should have been Denzel. Like, that's yeah, that's the kind of career he should have had. He should have got those kinds of performances. It's an amazing. Per- I mean, we 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 forget he played Cowboy Curtis. So yeah. this is a. Uh, <laughs> He's he's a he's a crazy man, but yeah. Uh, back to the vampire stuff. I mean, Frank White uh, styled shot like a guy rising from the dead. Yes. Yeah. Back to wreak havoc on his city. Uh, it is explicitly, uh, I think, made clear in the Nosferatu scene. Uh, there's a uh, an Asian crime boss who's watching Nosferatu. Yep. In a movie theater. And it kind of literalizes all this stuff that, like, in the addiction or whatever is made metaphorical. Uh, There's another reference to vampires in Bad Lieutenant. We'll get to that in a second. But, again, this idea of, like, uh, these monsters coming back from the dead and just just sucking the world around them dry. I wonder if Mm. that's something that's haunted Abel, right? Like, this idea that, like, like, I'm I'm such a – I suck the blood of everyone around me. Yeah. You know? Maybe I don't. I don't know. Like it, not not. You know the social vampire aspects too. You know, right? There's there, there's that, and also like you know, you, you you take away everything that makes them human. That's a very important theme in um in the addiction. You know, mm-hmm. how this just sort of like, like like. Yeah. That's a complicated movie to talk about. I I actually kind of wish we had we had discussed it. Because it's still a movie that I'm kind of trying to get to the bottom of. But I gotta watch uh, that. I gotta watch that movie. It's very, very good. Another movie. It's like different. The only issue is like you don't like anybody in that movie. Like nobody is likable. But right. uh, that's kind of the 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 point. 
but it is it is an interesting movie about how like this the, the, those types of addictions you know they don't just change who you are you know personally or your lifestyle they quite literally suck away your soul and they make you something they, they make you an agent of evil at the end of the day because every everything in your in your orbit suffers and that's quite literally what happens in that movie also a wonderful Christopher Walken performance in that movie he kind of has a bit part but he's really good in that really good yeah favorite kill in this movie Caruso's probably 100% agree yeah it's so shocking when that happens like yeah you watch his head blow up in that scene yeah that's terrifying it's, it's definitely that yeah. so good and it comes yeah. out of nowhere Walker just drives up hey I'm just gonna shoot you at a cop's funeral with a sawed-off shotgun. It's yeah, just and it's just oh my! With the glass when that shatters and the blood, so every every little detail to that painting is just oh god! It's so good, so good. Um, old school hip hop fans will recognize the name Frank White from many Biggie Smalls tracks. Yes, uh, Biggie Smalls helped sort of uh, get this movie to the correct audience. Um, you know, urban communities and African American communities have really embraced King of New York in the years since, um, because of you know sort of the the uh, the shared DNA between that and a lot of the the hip hop of the era. Um, the the rapper Schooly D is featured in the soundtrack of this movie and is featured in other Able movies after this. Uh, and yeah, Biggie Smalls, often called the King of New York himself, big fan of this movie. Makes sense. Makes sense. One more. You want to hear a bad take? Yes. Oh, I know this. I know this take. I know where you're going. He has gone about as far as a director can go on pure style, and he apparently isn't one of those filmmakers who can begin with a sketchy script and patch it up as he goes along. His effects are too good. His command of mood is too sure for him to continue trying to bluff his way through half-written movies like this one. All it did was whet my appetite. Roger Ebert in his two-star review. Two stars! Yeah. We oh, what a one. bad take. Yeah, I throw that one in the bad take bin, you know, right next to Die Hard. That's wow. a bad one. That's What's a really going bad on one. with Ebert, late 80s, early 90s? But doesn't he, but then he like completely flips on Bad Lieutenant of all movies, right? Yeah. That's so weird to me that that's the movie that makes him flip. <laughs> like, like Bad that, Lieutenant. But like you're you're like I I love Bad Lieutenant too. But like we're talking about like script. Like that's a movie where you're blown away way by the script. That's just like a series of non sequiturs of yeah. just like a, a guy rummaging through his city, causing chaos wherever he goes. But that's not like a that's a director's movie. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that one. 1992's okay. Bad Lieutenant. Written by, as we said, Abel Ferrara and Zoe Lund. Stars Harvey Keitel as the titular bad lieutenant. While investigating a young nun's rape, a corrupt New York City police detective with a serious drug and gambling addiction tries to change his ways and find forgiveness and redemption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate? I try barely tries <laughs> barely fucking tries this guy can rot in fucking hell <laughs> uh not a good guy i would say kind of a jerk kind of a jerk yeah i would this say guy, he's a bit of a jerk this guy is not that far off from some of the characters in solo yeah <laughs> um holy shit 
bad lieutenant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind correct. Of, kind of the understatement of the century right there. Yeah. <laughs> Describing him just as bad. Uh, so this is the first Abel movie I saw. I saw it in college. It's been a good eight years, maybe. Um, first one that I saw, too, actually. So funny. Yeah. I mean, the rub on it was always Harvey Keitel's naked in it. And it's NC-17. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of box office poison at the time. Uh, a controversial movie. Banned in many countries. Whatever. Uh, but I, I, I'd always thought of it as as one of those one of those movies that when you're a grown up, you gotta watch if you really want to get to the edge. Uh, this is how you get there. This is as close as you can get without falling off the side of the cliff. Uh, well, <laughs> I've since went further. Little did I know there was more room. But uh, at the time, yeah, this was this was quite uh, scandalizing. I would say for a okay. young a, a, a young budding. Uh, film fan you know I I will admit like this did give me those kinds of like going over the edge flashbacks that I had when I saw Cannibal Holocaust when I saw Solo when I saw Antichrist all those all those things I don't know what that feeling is there's there's just this ominous tone there's something about the aesthetic of these movies where you just feel like something bad is coming you never feel safe in movies like that and you're always very very terrified at what the next horrible thing is going to be and you're in the thing that makes it you know sort of doubly scary is that you know that it's going to be worse than what you imagine yeah so there's just no way to prepare for it right and this movie i will admit kind of gave me those vibes when i first saw it right and, and, and actually the scenes that you don't expect i mean obviously i had heard about the kaitel nudity i heard about the rape with the crucifix um mm. you know I, i'd heard about the disturbing stuff i did not know about the scene with the two girls getting pulled over mm. and somehow that one was worse than the rest i mean it's sometimes what they don't show you yeah. it, it's sometimes um you know like that is not a, a an explicit rape but i mean it is kind of a verbal rape it, it's it's sexual assault it's uh, harassment uh, and you know, watching that, I mean, that's the kind of, it's the kind of scene that I'd never seen in a movie before. No. Know? So, no, the, no, no. I mean, that was the thing about watching this movie. And, uh, I, I had revisited, I revisited a lot of it for this podcast. Um, but I, I just remember watching it and being like, man, like I, I just, I'd never want to go back here again. I mean, maybe this movie no, thing isn't for me. <laughs> oh, it's a hard movie. It's, yeah. it's a great, great movie, but like, ugh. Oh, it's like disgusting. New York is a fucking toilet. It's just, you know, I, it's weird. It was one of my favorite movies on this list because I've just I've never seen anything quite like it. But yeah, man, and Kaitel and Kaitel and, and Kaitel is out of this world. I mean, the breakdown in the church is just you. you it's just it's, that's fucking cinema. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking filmmaking right there. <laughs> but it is just one of the most pathetic, disturbing scenes I've ever seen. Where and then where where Jesus appears for no reason. I I just I, I like I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. Mm. And you kind of have to surrender at that point with the movie itself. Uh, but what a crazy journey! I mean, it's it really does sort of feel like a Dante's Inferno sort of sort of experience. Yeah, man. Because I mean, it's it. All you can really talk about, I mean, aside from just like like, you know, the the disturbing qualities. I mean, it's just like a series of set pieces. It really doesn't follow a rigid structure or plot. A lot of it is just this guy going 
throughout his day. And what's this next day going to be? Right. Well, we'll skim money off the top. Well, what's this next day going to be? We'll rape a girl. And it's just right. like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And it does kind of have this cinema verite quality to it. I mean, yeah. it, it is uh, there are moments of fantasy. Uh, there's moments that sort of bend reality and break reality, but stylistically, it's pretty straightforward. Like the scene in the church. Yeah, I mean the scene in the church. Like Jesus is just standing there. You yep. know what I mean? Like there's no sort of like camera filter. There's no sort of heightened effect. Like it, it's very sort of on the surface. What you see is what you get, and mm-hmm. like that's the thing about this movie. Um, yeah, and and it lets Kaitel just sort of cook and. Yep. Uh, Man, is he cooking with gas in this? Pacino wins for Scent of a Woman in '92. Okay, at the Oscars, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for Chaplin. Clint was nominated for Unforgiven. Stephen Ray for The Crying Game, and Denzel for Malcolm X. I I would only put Denzel above him. Above who? Kaitel. Okay, I would only put Denzel above Kaitel. Do you agree? Above all that, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. I mean, it, I know it's an NC-17 movie. There's no way that it would have no. gotten nominated. But, like, it's his career-defining performance. It's uh, it's a, an era-defining performance in many ways. Yes. Um, he literally bears it all in more ways mm-hmm. than one. And so much so that they make that the poster of the movie. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's, what else do you want out of an actor? <laughs> if you're looking at it as just a tour de force performance where you couldn't possibly be more vulnerable. I mean, like Jesus, like Harvey Keitel is reduced to almost like like subhuman sometimes. I don't know. I don't know how you, you I mean, yeah, like you said, I know how you don't nominate this because it's NC-17 and everything. But like Christ, there's there are not many better performances than this around. Yeah, maybe ever. Uh, <laughs> another thing that always. uh uh, that that always stuck with me from this movie, the gambling aspects. Oh God! Obviously, uh, <laughs> should be a horror movie for you. Totally. I mean, totally. I mean, it's a low key, awesome gambling movie. It's not primarily known as a gambling movie, but gambling is a major subplot throughout the whole thing. Yes. Uh, we open in the opening credits, uh, black text on white screen, with Mad Dog himself, Chris Russo from Mike and the Mad Dog, the great. Uh, New York City afternoon drive sports talk show. Yep. Talking about how the Mets uh, are basically done. They're down three games to nothing in the NLCS, and uh, they eventually win that series, and that's what ultimately kills Kaitel at the end of this movie. <laughs> fucking Mets. Uh, the fucking it, Mets. It's incredible. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. It, it just incredible texture. I mean, just for me personally, I like I remember that voice. I mean, the fact that Mad Dog gets to be in this movie, uh, th- that was the one little shred of of decency for me. <laughs> like, it's something that I recognize. Oh, like, my in a, God. In a world that was so unfamiliar, hearing Mad Dog Chris Russo's voice coming through Harvey Keitel's radio. That should was, make it a, a little more disturbing. Like he he grounds it for you. It's like, oh, this right. is real. This is actually yeah. This real. is actually in a world that I recognize. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that Mets of all things, because Abel is a, uh, to my understanding, a pretty devout Mets fan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which also maybe explains some of his drug addiction. But uh, uh, yeah, my yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the idea that the Mets would sort of be a conduit. 
uh, you know, the the the, the powder keg that that uh, eventually erupts in this movie. That that's a uh, that's an interesting <laughs> thought. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I never quite thought about it that way. No, but it, it's not. It's the Mets' success that ultimately kills this character. Is that right? Oh, I, I yeah. That. yeah, yeah. So the Mets are down three nothing, and he bets against them four games in a row. Oh, and they go on to win the series. Oh, I see. I see. So it's don't... kind of this self-loathing Mets thing. This Mets right. fan self-loathing, which again I can sympathize. You know, rooting for the uh, the football team across town. Mm-hmm. I get it with a similar sounding name. <laughs> You got it rough, man. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you got uh, that Zoe Lund scene again with the vampires. She gets yeah. sort of the iconic line of the movie, vampires eat each other, we feed on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the mission statement of the whole thing. Again, yeah. back to the vampire motif. This is kind of a horror movie. It plays like a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, at the end of it, you know, Kaitel, his sort of his idea of justice, his idea of what he deserves, you know, like... If the nun can forgive her rapist, like, is the redemption for me? You know, maybe I don't deserve to suffer. Maybe like I can turn it around. Uh, Constantly playing around with these ideas of guilt and Catholicism. I mean, there's so much Catholicism in this movie. Uh, It's it's able playing the hits, but he had never gone this far. And I don't think he ever went this far after. I would say he does not. No, this is weird. It's it's it's. It's just like Abel's just kicking the shit out of himself in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. It's it's a very interesting form of expression, but it does work. But I mean, the other th- disturbing thing about it is that I'm not really sure we get a lot of definitive answers no. on, on those things. Because like even when he does kind of like, I guess, forgive those kids or let them go, tell them to get on that train, get the fuck out of here. Um it doesn't seem like it solved anything. I mean, obviously it doesn't. Re- I mean, even spiritually, it doesn't feel like anything was fixed. Which is the sad, sad thing about it. I mean, even with that ending and just sort of how utterly pathetic it is with him just sitting there in the street. And like the new, the again, perfect representation of New York where it's like the worst thing could be happening five feet next to you, but you're, you're still going to keep walking. You know, there's just totally. people walking. Right. And eventually some people pile up, but there's still like hundreds of people walking like nothing happened. Right. Cars are driving by. You know, you wouldn't know that a guy was murdered. It's just really, you know. It's like this dog that was put out of his misery. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. That's bad. Tough li- movie. That's bad, Lieutenant. <laughs> it's fuck yeah. Yeah. Not- Which is better? Which is better, this one or Herzog's? <laughs> oh, good that's a tough question. question. <laughs> I mean, you know me. I absolutely adore Herzog's. I, I think that's unironically a great movie. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Um, and I, I would also call it a great movie. But I, I gotta go. I gotta go this. I gotta go this one. Yeah. I guess you got to go this one, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> well, there's no fun. There is no fun in this. That's, that's the point. <laughs> yeah, give, give me, give me the cage one. Okay, you, you'll take, you'll take Herzog. I got Ferrara. Yeah, I, li- I like it. I'll, I'll take, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'll take Herzog. Cool. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Finally, we conclude with 1998's New Rose Hotel. Based on a short story by William Gibson, the cyberpunk author, William Gibson. Yep. Screenplay by Abel Ferrara and Chris Zoyce. Starring Christopher Walken, Willem Dafoe, and Aja Argento. 
Two businessmen are hired to steal secrets from a rival and decide to use a beautiful call girl to do so. Uh, I haven't really talked about the reviews for any of his other movies, but I will just mention because it's notable. This has a 19% on the old Rotten Tomatoes. It's very low. 19%. That's like, yeah. I mean, I'll get into my thoughts on this movie, but that's like still criminally low. Putrid. A putrid score. Uh, New Rose Hotel. Did like two people see this and they just fucking hated it? Yeah, I mean, no one saw it. Uh, Like I read the New York Times review. Like it's really shallow and bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, yeah, I love this movie. Capital L love. I think it's actually remarkable. Um, Oh, wow. I mean, to call it his most underrated, I think it it has to be by default. it's, oh, wow. it's his first collaboration with Defoe. I mean, clearly Defoe saw something here. Oh, yeah. He's like, I want to go back to the well. And now he's sort of been uh, his most trusted collaborator. Uh, I've never seen a movie like this before. I mean, in many ways, it predates the era of like cyberpunk digitally connected. I mean, it's a year before The Matrix. It shares a lot of the same DNA with The Matrix. But in the same way, I, I haven't. I haven't seen a movie like it since. Uh, yeah. I mean, the movie is played twice. It's a movie mm-hmm. that happens and then it ends and there's a half hour left and we're going to watch it again. From a, yeah, from a, a, an, a, what would you call that kind of perspective? Like a reflective, yeah, perspective, a, a regretful exa- sort of, regret- yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. going to, we're going to replay the game film. I mean, we're just going to watch it again and see where it went wrong. And it, it's kind of the most amazing, um, a depiction of regret I've ever seen. I've never seen. De- oh regret wow! De- you're very, you're incredibly positive. I'm, incre- on this I'm movie. incredibly positive. Oh wow! I didn't think you were going to be this positive. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, so we, I, we we are on very different planes. I mean, then. I think the last half hour of this movie is kind of a remarkable, uh, a remarkable sort of mural. I, I think like it's an incredible painting at the end. The way that he layers dialogue and. Uh, moments that we had seen and moments that we had not seen and mixes it with Defoe in the back of the truck. Like, uh, yeah, like it was, I was really, I was stunned when like essentially the plot of the movie ends, whatever, however thin the plot is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're just left with the same clips. I'm like, what is happening? Like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's incredible. Like it was whiplash. Yeah. Uh, it just I mean a tone poem is kind of a cliche and a, and a cringy Kinda. phrase but this is a tone poem yeah I, I'd agree it's a vibe movie yes. it's most mostly a vibe movie about uh, sort of again ruminating on choice and and uh and regret and like like you said and you know you know make making the best of what you have even even if you know your your urge to do this other thing that seems like just because you're kind of addicted to the the lifestyle and stuff like that the edge the edge yes 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 yes, the edge the edge is virtue yes (laughs) um yeah i i I think those reviews are horseshit yeah um i i i mean yeah it's 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 jesus christ it's 19 fucking 19 percent yeah (laughs) yeah that's insane um Christ. Okay. I mean, what what I will say though is, of all the films we watched, this one's easily my least favorite. I, I imagine so. 
and not even with addiction body snatchers and Pasolini like yeah not even close and and just that it's not a film that I'm gonna watch again um ju- yeah just just because there's not anything terribly cinematic about it it's kind of oh what does that mean I mean that's like, a fucking this- low blow <laughs> no I I yeah nothing it's- cinematic what do you yeah, mean? Like, well, what is cinematic about it? I mean, the the style, the sexiness, the vibe, the the bad guys, the corporate espionage. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's you can play a lot cinematic. of it. Uh, Asia Argento is cinematic. Totally. But like, this is a this is something that I was like, this doesn't is not working entirely as a movie for me. I mean, it's not big. It's not explosive. It's no, but, it's understated, definitely. No, but most of it is dialogue. Most of it is is sitting down and having conversations. Most of it is plot that is happening kind of like off screen. I mean, the interesting thing to me was that this is everything the counselor should have been. Ah, there we go. In a lot of ways, there I, we I, go. I, I see a similar type of screenwriting going on here. I see the the idea of like there's stuff happening. We're just not going to show it to you in the way that a play generally does. A play will often like have the conversations in a room. Now let's go do it. And they leave the set. Lights go down. Lights come back up and they're in a different room. Oh, my God. It all went fucking haywire. Nothing worked. How can we fix this? And that's kind of the movie. Um so in that sense, yeah, to me it felt like sort of a like like a filmed play in many respects. Yeah, I found it interesting that the Agia Argento scenes with the Mark are yeah. there's there's no scenes of that, and mm-hmm. they actually show you very little of the relationship with Defoe as well until the end. Yeah, and I remember yeah. as I was watching it, oh, that's kind of interesting that we're we're stuck in Defoe and Walken's point of view, uh, but then by the end of it, it makes it makes perfect sense because this is a movie, you know, where you have to be in Defoe's point of view like if you hear her side of the story if you sympathize with her at all you undercut yeah. the third act entirely yeah yeah it doesn't doesn't have that same tension and then that really really you know heart it doesn't have the same heartbreak that uh, the ending does which is again he has a our, ferrara has a way of just making these the, the the circumstances of these characters just end up the, the most pathetic things imaginable yeah and it's it's no no different here and a very like strange sci-fi environment that's like sci-fi but also not really it's 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 in this funny gray area that's sure kind of is. interesting sure yeah. is but and also predates our obsession with screens and our obsession with phones and it's a Definitely. it is a movie in many ways about how images on screens can be misleading mm-hmm. and i mean fucking bingo 20 years ahead of his time there old Abel. oh my god yeah uh yeah. you know like all the information conveyed about the the plot itself the scam itself the the uh the the thing with the mark is conveyed through monitors it's conveyed through messages and you know uh secret codes and uh you know um uh serendipitously serendipitously what's the word surreptitiously surreptitiously there we go uh we're an hour 45 in on an able for our podcast (laughs) apologies uh uh, surreptitiously recorded video like uh it's about our sort of unhealthy relationship with technology and and taking even a step further when you pair that with the commodification of sex yeah you know we're we're a world where in this world everything is transactional you know including sex uh business sex power politics it's all the same thing and um god i mean these are themes again that you could make a movie like this today and and you wouldn't have to change a line of it 
No, probably not. There's a lot you could do with this world with these characters, and it is very interesting. It's, it's just, yeah. I, I, I got to be honest. I wasn't terribly engaged by it. I wasn't. Yeah, terribly... no, it's not for everybody. I knew you wouldn't like it. I fucking I, knew I was... the, the second I saw it, this is not an Adam movie at all. It's just like I, I wasn't. I wasn't thrilled by the conversations or the questions. I was more so moved by like the emotional regret that these characters faced mm-hmm. and just their performances and, and the vibe. It's got an incredibly sexy vibe. Like when you're talking about what cinematic aspects this movie has, that is it. It's just the, for, and Ferrara always has that. He's just got this incredible indelible mood in all of his movies that is often very alluring and sexy. And, you know, that's certainly the case here, but there's a lot of just like, yeah, we're sitting around coming up with a plan on very like beige walls and you know, it's we're sitting around coming up with a plan where there's one light cast on these actors and while they're laying in bed and you know, a lot a lot of the movie is just those those conversations and I, I guess if I was a little more engaged and interested in those conversations, I would have loved it much more. I I just think as it, as it stands, it's a it's a very very nice exercise that for the most part works, but it's not going to sing for everybody, that's for sure. No, I totally understand why someone would give this a negative review and I would not recommend this to any of my sort of casual film friends. Well, I like I did I, it's not to say I disliked it. I still had generally a good time. I'm just comparing it to the other Abel films that I saw, where it's like it's like yeah, like this one had like lulls and like the, the I think back to even the Driller Killer. That movie to me didn't even have a lull. It didn't have a single moment where I was I was not like fixed to the screen. Like there was moments where I was kind of dozing off. It's like all right, I kind of get the gist of what they're talking about, and there's nothing like too fancy about the way this is cut together. It's just it's mostly script and it's mostly performances, you know. And even the way it's like blocked out and the direction in certain moments. I, I I don't know. There, there's there's some repetitiveness to the setting too, where they're either in the hotel or they're in the 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 bar. You know, again, it felt like a play. It felt like I was like I would have loved to have seen this as a play. I think it would have been kind of extraordinary in that in that light. Um, as a film, I thought it left a little to be desired. But it's you know, if you're going for an interesting vibe and and really. A, a, a really tight script and uh, some some fucking awesome performances, particularly by uh, Argento <laughs> yes. and Defoe and Defoe. Totally. Uh, but Argento is really the star of this movie. Uh, yeah. Jeez Louise. Uh, yeah. There isn't a plot. I mean, you have no, to know no. that going in. Like, uh, Abel is not really interested in what is going on in, in terms of the... Uh, in terms of the scam itself, he's interested yeah. in how men and women interact in the bedroom. I mean, really, I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, and that's sort of a through line through all of his movies. But he cares about regret. He cares about remorse. He cares yeah. about, uh, you know, justice and um, the lack thereof, I should say. Which, and, and that's why the third act is so good. I mean, yeah. the, the ending of the film is quite brilliant. I, it's, it's, it took, and that's the thing. I was like, by, by that point, I'm like, okay, it's really got to, like, I've enjoyed the film generally, like, like kind of casually. It's been fine, but it's got to really do something great for me to be like, oh, good movie. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until that third act that I was like, I, th- that I ended up kind of like re- rethinking a lot of my, my feelings. And I'm like, oh, it, a lot of it makes sense. And this third act is kind of, it's just, it's just really, really genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, that's one of the more interesting approaches to like, like examining one's regret. And I, I, I kind of fucking loved it. Uh, but it just took a while to get there. So, yeah. Uh, I love it. 
I love yeah. it. I won't fight for it for the Movie Hall of Fame because <laughs> I think there probably is a clear choice and we agree on it. But um, yeah. yeah, that's New Rose Hotel. No, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. But similarly for you, I wouldn't recommend it to uh, casuals. No. I, I would recommend if I if I ever, for whatever reason, come across someone who says, I want, I want, I loved what Counselor was going for, but it didn't quite work. I'll be like, you got this movie over here. It's pretty good. Man, do I have news for you. <laughs> there is a movie that does exactly what that fucking thing is doing, except it actually works. Here we go. <laughs> I would love to show this movie to Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be really funny. Yeah, he'll hate it. Yeah, he would. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think I think the move is King of New York here, right, Adam? Just to, just to, in, in, in spite of Roger Ebert. Just for yeah. that alone. Yeah. What the hell was that review? <laughs> the script is bad? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Miss 45... Um, Important, no question. Yes, yes, yes. Bad Lieutenant. I think Bad Lieutenant's probably the one that has stood the test of time the most, but I, I mean, agree. in terms of pure entertainment value and the actors on display and the filmmaking, I mean, it's it's got to be. Everything able to. It's. I mean, God, I just think about like that. Like, again, this is usually the, the films I usually go to are the ones that I'm like, oh, that moment, that moment, that moment. It's like like even when he's just driving into New York, New York, Manhattan for the first time. Yep. And it's like you're crossing into hell. It's just that shot from the bridge as it's just looking at the city very slowly with that incredibly ominous music. And it doesn't cut. It's just, oh, God, it's freaky, but really, really effective. Yeah. Congrats. God, it's just King of New York. The best. Oh God! Look at his hands. This guy is the king of kings. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a legend! Ooh, mommy, and he's <laughs> paid for this. <laughs> look at this guy. He's got his finger right up a fucking ass. Everything perfecto, including this piece of ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, know, nothing will beat this one here. This girl, I almost married, actually. <laughs> Nothing can beat that one. I just the fact that he stops the commentary for that. Oh, yeah. you know what? This girl I almost married. Yeah, like actually, like he was actually, you know. Oh God, he was actually Very... thinking about marrying that girl. It's too funny. It's so good. I don't. I don't have a quote for this one, just because I feel like a, the, your drops have. I was gonna use one of those. I'm like, oh, they're all they're all kind of used. Uh, all right. I'll... I already said full of bullet holes, Puta. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh, I'll give you one of these at the end here. All right, um, that's it, Adam. Wow. Next week, I'll tell you what we're doing. It's oh, we're doing we, that already? We've been planning. Oh, shit. We've been planning for it. All right, all and right. here all it right. is. It's finally arrived. I mean, from one king of cinema to the next. Yeah. This guy Honestly. really is the king of kings. <laughs> or at least get, the, the, the king get those of, two in a room. He's the king of uh, Smodcast. It's Kevin Smith. Kevin fucking Smith. Guys, Clerks 3 is actually coming out. <laughs> I mean, just when you thought cinema was dead. Seriously. Just when you thought, here's Clerks 3 to bring it back. Oppenheimer, Dune, no. No way. Clerks Not 3. even close. 
Clerks, Clerks fucking three. three. <laughs> uh, yeah, Clerks three is coming to theaters. Is it gonna get a theatrical run? I, I hope so, but probably not. Yeah, uh, September thirteenth. Yes, coming to the theater near you. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> Clerks three. Uh, we will be talking about the films of Kevin Smith. Yeah. I have only seen one Kevin Smith film in theaters. You know what that one is? Uh, would it be Tusk? It is Tusk. Yes. He's a filmmaker that is not good, but I like him. <laughs> I like has him. M- has made great films in the past. Has made a, gra- a great one film. great film and has made other movies that are mostly not good. But I, I like that there's entries that like I like that you don't like. Like I like dogma. I know you don't give a shit about dogma. I don't like dogma. But uh, that, that will be discussed next week. Mall rats okay. will be discussed next week. Uh, Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. Got to yeah. be on the docket. Uh, and maybe what, Jersey Clerks Girl. Two. Jersey Girl. Yeah. What about Clerks 2? Oh, maybe. Clerks 2 is better than Jersey Girl. How about Zach and Miri make a porno? That's the film that one of the films that broke him Two there are two films in his filmography that broke Kevin Smith and it was Zach and Mary make a porno and cop out. Right. Should we talk yes. cop out? That's a this is a weird <laughs> podcast because they're not we're not talking about good movies. No, it's going to be tough. Uh, fuck. I don't know. I mean, I like Tusk way more than cop out, but I haven't seen cop out. Should, should we do a yoga hosers? I have not seen. Isn't that the Tusk spinoff with the uh, the German girls in Canada or something? That seems like a why is this a thing? We should have Nick on for the Kevin Smith podcast. I mean, I mean all of these movies kind of qualify. Yeah, we yeah. should have Nick on. I'd like to have Nick on. That'd be fun. Okay, yeah. let's put a let's put a pencil in that. Let's let's put a put that in pencil, not in pen. But we we might have to not maybe not next week, but that might require like a two week thing though, because he'd need to watch some of these movies. Yeah. But that's doable. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is also in the mix. I have not seen that one. Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie in the mix. Oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, not exactly a Kubrickian resume, but we will be talking about him next week here on your favorite movie podcast. Anything else, Adam? I think I'm good. All right. I think I'm satisfied. That's it. That's Until it. next time. Who's this weirdo? All right, excuse me, somebody's mother at this point.